Stories of fantastic mishaps and great success from superstars who have been brave enough to challenge the everyday norm. Life should be one continuous experiment, and here come the latest ingredients to test out with Calvin Simpson and the Life Through the Eyes of a Smile podcast. Super excited to have Daryl Demeray on the Life Through the Eyes of a Smile podcast today, everybody. A little background on Daryl first before we hop into it. Daryl's big passion is working with small business entrepreneurs to take them to the next level. Daryl, you began working at eight years old in the construction industry. Yeah, I don't think that was legal. Uh, what do I do? Could I report that now? Or yeah, that's a good. Uh, well, I kind of had to. Well, sort of not. My father was a hard worker, and I guess he worked in a small town, and they didn't have came from a lot of pioneers and fur traders and those kinds of people. So you had to build your own house. So yeah, stuck a hammer at my hand at the age of eight and uh, threw me up on a roof and got me shitting in the house. <laughs> Good old time stories we always hear of, you know what, you hop in there and you get to work. That's cool. I can see you definitely have a strong work ethic right from the age of eight. Now you've been working for about 22 years as a full-time consultant to entrepreneurs in business. And you've had quite a few entrepreneurs you've worked with. You've had successful exits all around Canada. That's got to be quite the fulfilling experience for you. Yeah, the greatest thing about it is you get to work with people from all different lifestyles, different backgrounds and different cultures and even learn different languages. Uh, I've been really fortunate and blessed to work with some people that built some great companies in Canada, sold their business and retired, some in service, some in restaurants, some in technology, and always learning. I'm just a small fish in a bigger sea. My goal is just to help others who wanna get along their way and up that stream and uh, find a new way to connect with other entrepreneurs and expand their business and their mind. That's perfect. So do you work with most of your clients in an online fashion nowadays? I work with clients online. Uh, I try to meet them one-on-one, -one, but it's very costly these days in terms of transportation, meeting, and setting up time. So online is more advantageous in terms of meeting times because people are traveling to different cities these days. They have a lot of obligations with family and commitment and friends, and it's just easier to, to hop online and have a quick brief meeting or a, a 20, 30-minute session and then get back to work. Yeah, how do you see that the online world and tools like Zoom that we're on right now where we can have a video chat and record it have changed your business and then changed even the businesses of people you work with? Do you have any examples how it's really been able to do that? Uh, it's totally evolved. I remember the days when we had 2008 and they had a little half screen on top of the cell phone and it went from the Blackberry world to the little screen world and we made a little website back then in Vancouver where we had uh, different entrepreneurs online and you just click for legal marketing accounting on the website and it would connect people with different experts. So I collected a variety of different experts and you just go on one site and connect them and get help with whatever you need. So it was quick, easy access. It saved a lot of time, which is very valuable and connect with people you wouldn't otherwise connect with that add value to your business and make it grow faster and make it more rich and fulfilling business for you. The rich and fulfilling, is that typically an area that you're looking at with business owners to find out what's right for them? I mean, we started off talking a little bit about some people, they sell their businesses and they go into retirement. Other people, they sell a business and need to hop back into it. So what would you say about the rich and fulfilling piece of having a business? How does someone go out there and find that? Well, it all starts with networking and getting to know people in different industries and finding a passion that you like and you enjoy and asking questions to from people who've been there, done that. Uh, they might not be exactly these days doing what you want to do, which is kind of amazing, I guess, and a bit scary at times because there's new industries and new businesses popping up that never existed before. But just to get some feedback on uh, 
guidelines, mentorship, what worked, what didn't work. It's going to change every year and every decade, but really some of those people have been through a lot of challenges and just to be able to take them for lunch or coffee or spend time to years listen and actually understand what you're trying to do, maybe point you in a little bit of the direction or give you some suggestions. There's a wealth of knowledge out there. You just have to go reach out and get it. Speaking of wealth of knowledge, you yourself have an ebook coming out right away, really an entrepreneurial roadmap. Maybe tell us just a little bit about that and maybe see your inspiration behind writing the book. Over the last years, I helped some youth in uh, junior achievement in uh, small business. I used to do mentorship for small business chapters. 20, oh God, now I'm dating myself. I guess it's been over 20 years <laughs> when I was in university and we had a small city and a small chapter and we had like the number one turnout in Canada even bigger than the big metropolitan cities because we connect with people regardless of culture, irregardless of faculty. It didn't have to be in business. We hopped on the radio on a local uh, university and invited everybody, had some pizza and had a party and uh, we just called it a party. We didn't tell them why they're coming because <laughs> it was university. We just wanted them to come and they did. And then we started talking about small business and promoted a little uh, pizza company and just got everybody talking about, well, what are you going to do after university? What do you want to do? You're going to work in a big company. You're going to work for yourself. You're gonna smaller company what are you going to do and I had chats and found leaders from there and found leaders for the group and the executive and branched out from there i think it doesn't matter who you are or where you are it's more and more possible these days with technology like facebook and twitter and marketing and connecting and living in cochran i just hear stories of kids that do amazing things and even around the world in the states like eight-year-old kids that are volunteering for uh, helping their pets or different charities or something they just feel impassioned to and maybe they only raised 20 bucks but somebody saw that and they doubled match donation they got some other real people involved in business and it just spiraled up from there and you never know even if it didn't that little day they had might have been a, a really great day it might have brightened somebody's life that just didn't have a good day that We've known each other for about two years, Daryl, and whenever we're talking, junior achievement always comes up. It's clearly a cause that's very dear to your heart. Where did that come from? Well, in high school, I used to be the business geek. I had a little import business when I was a teenager, 15 years old. I used to work in, uh, I had career prep and all this great support. So I used to work in an accounting firm as a teenager and banking. And then I started a little import business. And I was like, first one, import solar reflective car shades to Canada. But I had no idea about marketing or packaging or business or anything. So they just came in this big box and I drop shipped them from California in the tube. And I just had the opportunity to have some owners I worked for who owned stores. So I knocked on their doors and they were very grateful and giving me space and knocked on a couple others. I guess it could have made lots of money because KTAL was uh, apparently going broke and I could have took it across country and made lots of money, but I never did. It was just a learning experience. Eventually went back to school and, and took marketing. But yeah, I always have been there. Uh, a lot of my friends are entrepreneurs now that were in high school with me. And so I just want to give back. And it's always interesting to see those stories because there are people there that, that for me. So I just want to return the favor. The deepest causes always come from an area where we've grown ourselves in the past that we've struggled in the past. So it's no surprise that you have those youth entrepreneurship stories from the past and want to be able to give back now. Now, I've seen piece of your book before. There's an interesting story in there about some graffiti on a rock. Sure, everyone would love to hear about it. Can you open up a little bit about that? And I even believe it's from a trip you took recently across BC. Yeah, so I believe that spirituality is really important in life. We are all human beings. We're all spirits. Uh, we may have different faces, different colors, different cultures, and different upbringings, but essentially all, we're all human beings. Uh, it might take some time to understand each other, and in some cases we might 
never understand each other, just agree to disagree. But, so the story about the rock comes from this uh, rock in a park. There was a rock in a park with graffiti. And this lady came from out of town, this small town, and, and she asked around, why is this rock there? It's just this abandoned park. And it looked very unseeing and, and didn't understand why. So she asked a couple of people in the community and one said, well, they used to have these parties there. They have like campground parties. And uh, eventually one day the, the, the grass got burned, the firefighters had to come. So the city couldn't afford to do anything. So all they did is put this big rock over this burnt spot where the grass used to be. And then uh, less and less people used the park and uh, kind of got a little bit more run down. And uh, then the light fixture went out and there was no power and then it got kind of dark. And so it was just just rock. And then kids came along and hanging out at night and made some graffiti and it just started falling apart. So this lady, um, she had a bit of money. She came from out of town and she thought, well, what do people really like? They like campfires. So she had this idea. She would start a barbecue festival. And she turned out to ask around different people, went to the mayor, got some funding and said, I want to have a barbecue festival in this park. I said, well, there's nobody use that park anymore. It's just terrible. She said, great. So it's very cheap to use then. I guess I can get some funding for that. And uh, lo and behold, they got some people together and they put some funding together and they had a weekend event for a salmon barbecue in the park. And it turned out to be one of the most successful uh, barbecues in the whole area. Tying to the story of my trip. So I just jumped in the truck one day and took a week off because I felt like it uh, had to touch the ocean and, and do that when you're a child. And I just had this feeling of loss inside of me of when I was young and we used to just touch the ocean and have fun. So I stopped along the way in, in Hope, BC and I checked out the town and, and this lady comes up to me, her name was Shelly. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm a little old school. So I just want to see what the businesses are and who the people are and what's going on. And, uh, I found out they have this awesome salmon barbecue in Hope, BC. It's coming up this summer and it's like a national award winning festival. So it brings all the talent together and the community and the aboriginals and the regular folk. And I think I might just check it out. So it's amazing what you can do if you put a few people together in a cause and a mission and a little bit of vision and uh, just get a little bit of funding and support from your local community. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm sure a lot of people listening won't even know that that sort of funding exists or even the ability to go out there and make a change. A lot of the time we'll just want to sit here and think, yeah, you know what, I have this thought, someone else should do it, or maybe it won't go anywhere. But small stories like this, I mean, starting with this painted graffiti rock, turning into just a small town entrepreneur thinking, hey, what if now it's turned into a big international festival that brings people from all over, I mean, now that you're talking about this, Hope BC's festival coming up of salmon, pretty interesting stuff, what just one person can do, and especially in a small town. Yeah, I think it's a great analogy. The Rock is just an analogy, and the Hope Festival is something they've done successfully. But part of the book in finding your path and helping entrepreneurs and other people getting unstuck, just people that are goal-oriented, uh, there are opportunities out there, like you say, and there is funding out there, and some might not be large funding, and some might be small funding, but you might find somebody who will help you with that and give you a lot of the knowledge that will help you with the funding, which will be more valuable than just the funding itself. They'll help you set it up, structure, network, and contact with people, and you'll have to do the work and make the ball roll, but they'll help you and support you and find you ways where you can maybe connect and maybe try that initiative, try that passion. 
This episode, as well as the rest of the Life Through the Eyes of a Smile episodes, were brought to you by Halfle. One of the key pieces of Halfle's business is helping authors self-publish and hit Amazon bestseller. We work specifically with people who have life experience to share. Just like this podcast, it is so important to share people's stories to help others move through their own struggles in life. Now, my story in the Life Through the Eyes of a Smile story was really born when I lost three months of my life in May 2010. You can find this story in the preview pages on Amazon, search Life Through the Eyes of a Smile. For three years, I couldn't talk about my story, but when I did, a magical thing started to happen. People started to thank me and I quickly began to learn many people had their own story in life that they were holding on to, that others needed them so badly to share. If this sounds like you or someone you know, send them to hatful.com slash share, H-A-P-P-F-U-L dot com slash share, and we're going to get that book out minus the frustration and difficulty. The world needs your message. Now let's get back into this episode. Another important part to mention too, when we're talking about finding your path and yourself having a few things going on and saying, you know what, I just need to take a vacation. I need to head back out to the coast. I feel like this would be an important trip for me and just actually doing it. So where do you look at entrepreneurs? It's easy to overwork ourselves. Where do we then, or even if you're in a career, for example, we can relate across there, but sticking to entrepreneurs, if you're feeling overwhelmed, when is the right time to say, you know what, I need a vacation head off. And how do you really plan that vacation? Just like you did. Well, I think it's different for everybody and it happens to everybody, no matter what your level at. I had other friends that are really successful six figure, seven figure entrepreneurs just had enough one day, you know, and they've done it for years and years and years, or it happens to everybody just doesn't know how to get started, how to make that first step. It's really a balanced thing. And, it, and in the book, it takes you through a process, a process of six different steps in finding your balance in life and in connecting it with your past and your family and your friends and your future and your values and your interests, and then finding how the business ties into that. Uh, in life and the business and the books I've read, there's a balance and a structure. So it's kind of like a pie chart where you break it into four parts. You have your family and your friends and your business and then your leisure activities. And then you break those down as well and they have a percentage in the circle as well and you can adjust and rotate that percentage to your lifestyle and your needs because it changes from time to time. And on the side, you just prioritize from one to five, the, the top priorities for that week. So if that vacation keeps coming up on your list and it's not completed, it's your top five, maybe you start penciling in what day or, or visioning where do you want to go or where can you go, uh, your budget and afford. And even people I talked to here today in the last few weeks in Calgary, Alberta and town, like, yeah, I just went for a walk in the park with my dog and and I met a friend and I met somebody else and I met this guy and we talked about golfing and we talked about uh, Olympics that used to be here, some international sport. And it was a great day and it was relaxing and it didn't cost a thing. Or, you know, somebody just hopped a plane. The teacher I was just at at say took a round the world trip with her husband a few years ago and bought a ticket to uh, 364 days of traveling. I guess they did the mid equator, the whole world trip. And uh, the stories she told were, were exciting. I mean, there was way too many. So, you know, it could be like that. It could be taking your dog for a walk in the park or I'll travel the whole world. I can't wait to see the finished products. And for anyone, com slash author slash Daryl, you'll be able to find out more about the book. Hop on there beforehand. Daryl's going to be having a newsletter where he's updating you. You'll get to hear about more trips, like when he's going across BC. And uh, yeah, hop on there, join on the list, and we're going to still continue on here for a little bit. 
I want to talk now, Daryl, about Sasquatch because I know you ran into Sasquatch on your trip on your trip across BC. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Sounds like a little small town business and even attraction to a city there. Well, I drove through Hope and I saw a little bead store and they had uh, Sasquatch carvings. I thought, well, whatever happened to Sasquatch? And uh, I was trying to find my friend and I was trying to find a lake and it was just spring and all the water was running and starting to flow and they have some great falls there in BC and all different places and lakes and things were just melting. And I, I went down this road for uh, Silver Lake, trying to see the local hangout. And there was ice on either sides. And I had this little Hyundai Tucson and I stuck on the four wheel drive and I'm like, oh, and I'm not really like one of those big, strong, you know, Alberta guys that give me a chuck my gun and let's go get some, some animals. And uh, you know, I just, it was a little scary. I mean, you're almost a little, little SUV all myself. And I thought, you know, what's happening? So I went to the very end of the road and this guy comes out of his camper van. And I swear he was there the whole six months of the winter. He had hair down to here. He had a little little bald spot on top of the hair coming out and the, the googly eyes like he just hit the sunlight. And I'm like, holy shit, did I just see a guy or was that Sasquatch? I don't know. But it's kind of a funny story. I uh, didn't see the real Sasquatch. I went to town that day and I, I talked to Kathy there. It was in town and said, uh, whatever happened to Sasquatch anyway? You guys don't seem to market him as much. Or is, is he gone? Did he disappear? And she, she really couldn't answer that question. So I guess you'll have to go to Hope PC to find out because I, I don't know. All I saw was, was wood carvings and uh, a little guy on a construction crate waved to me there that was doing some repairs. But they do have a, a bear carving wood carver. He's on uh, national, uh, international TV and he carves all these cool six, eight, ten feet tall bears. And I guess they have a chainsaw competition too. So it's interesting how a small town, I mean, with just a, some simple marketing message or potentially not simple, I mean, get your expert advice around this, but you can have either Sasquatch draw people in, Ogopogo draw people in, or you can even have someone with a chainsaw. And a lot of the time we think you have to have this big, great brand like Virgin or Apple to bring that in. Where do these symbols fit into these small towns? And how does someone say who's a chainsaw carver? You wouldn't think they would gain international status, but how does someone like that then hit the spotlight? Yeah, you know, it's just about talking and sharing. And I think it really goes back to the old days when everybody used to sit around a campfire and talk and share stories about ideas and then generate and create synergy. A lot of great companies have been made by people getting together, two or three or four people, and talking about a subject or something that interests them or something they want to change and just create synergy and bring the parts of the whole together. In a small town, you have lots of, of young people, old people, and bringing synergy together. When I was living in Cochrane a few years ago, they have great synergy. It's a small little town. Even the youth go to the senior centers and, and they have tea and, and help support them. And then seniors help the youth in music and arts and tell them stories about what they used to do when they were in school and music and arts and theater. And it just kind of builds momentum for there and you fill in the gaps and say, hey, well, I never really thought about that. Well, let's try that and just try it and, and see what happens. Maybe it won't be national or international, maybe it'll be local, but it'll uh, bring a community together and uh, start a new cause. Asking for help, going to people who've been there before, do you find that is a very critical piece? I know a lot of the times it seems like entrepreneurs can more or less get isolated by themselves or let's talk about someone who's a solopreneur on a day like today where it's snowing sitting inside. How critical is it that we go out and we search out those mentors and we search out those people who's, who've been in those positions before or even people just give us an alternate perspective? I think it's a great balance for life and technology. I mean, you can get really driven, really focused, and you can be excellent, awesome in sales and have cold calls and connections and thousands of contacts and just hit it on straight, eight hours straight, and then go home and 
relax and unwind. I mean, everybody has a different style, but for people that are starting out or don't have an all knowledge, um, there's great software out there, but it's good to connect with humans as well. I mean, humans are the ones who made the technology. The technology didn't make itself. So there's people out there that'll give you the reasons why, and that's important too, because you can do all these things, but you might not know why. Like when they started Facebook, uh, one of the venture capitalists uh, had another company, Friendster. Uh, and that was going to be the number one company. And you never invested in Facebook's ads, ah, not going to work. So you just never know until you ask. And being asking is part of all the learning experience. We're all going to learn from everybody. And the more knowledge you have is good. It's all sporadic out there. So if you can get somebody who's an expert in a different niche, and there's so many experts out there, uh, and break it down, break it down and plan for yourself and an expert you want in each area, in marketing and accounting and legal. And so it works for your business and your size and your budget. I think that's really important because you don't want to connect with people that are out of your realm right away, or maybe you do, maybe you just want to gung home, go for it. But you want to have some kind of grounding, some kind of basis, some kind of uh, vision of where to go. We've talked uh, quite a bit about technology, Daryl. What are, what are some of the apps or progression that you see in technology happening? Well, there's one in Calgary they're giving the next few weeks called uh, G Suite. I guess it's how to collaborate together online using Google. That sounds really interesting. Uh, another friend of mine uh, from HubSpot back in Vancouver, as social media marketing and making it easier access one software to help manage all your social media programs. So there's software coming out every day. There's lots of friends I have in, in Calgary who develop their own apps and creating their own apps and using them for business and helping other entrepreneurs with it and just designing apps for small business. What role do they play? Well, if you have your phone, it's it's gone from computer to tablet to phone now. It's It's all right there. So you can do everything on your phone. You just Press the app, it's more secure. You can manage your payroll or your accounting, or you can connect with other people through technology and video like we have here and just use your apps to get what you need for your business. It'll be different for everybody. Everybody have a collection of maybe 20, 30 different apps they use. It's secure, it's safe, and it's what works for them. One of the ones that pops to my mind right away is accounting apps that have come so far over the last little bit and really streamlined that process. And when I'm thinking about this topic, it seems like it's removing some of those jobs and perhaps it's not when we talk about getting to the bottom or the why of the question, where do you see technology and its fit or what would you say when technology comes in and removes jobs from potentially skilled workers? Well, there's a big case that example I just saw today, a company called Nuke, they make little pen cases. So take the US, for example, there's a big shift up in politics and political there uh, going from distributorship and uh, other countries to gaining back some of their small businesses and some of their own companies and creating jobs for themselves. So a lot of these companies are going to become smaller and more mid-sized and have to source their own products and uh, work in their own states and regions to start developing and create more jobs for themselves and get funding. And a lot of cities are starting tech hubs and innovative hubs where people work together. So you're not at it all by yourself or you're not only one of four or five giant tech companies there's 10 or 20 or 30 in there and maybe five or six succeed and 20 don't but they just keep innovating and creating more companies and uh, you have a solid structure hub network of people to grow and develop from and create those sites businesses at the root of it all is always people we keep coming back around to people for sure i mean uh Otherwise, we'd just be a rock in a field sitting there because I don't think the earth, well, the earth does move, but uh, people are the one that keep making things moving. 
you know, that's a basic law of physics. For every action, there's a reaction. So it's all about people interacting, reacting, and more about creating. I think there's a lot more opportunities. A large portion of the mind and the creative mind that hasn't been used because it's been all about systems and structures and, and so be it with the industrial age and the, and the information technology age and creating systems and structures, but it's gone more into uh, electronics and technology and interactivity. And, and those are the things of the future of virtual reality and interactivity and using things and touch screens for your business and everything from design, art, structure to new world models. Excited as we see in your book coming out, I get the benefits of seeing a bit of the behind the scenes. For anyone who's interested, halfwell.com slash author slash Daryl to get on board with your newsletter. How else can people reach you, Daryl? I'm also on Facebook and I'm also on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. So you just look up my name there, D-A-R-Y-L and then D-E-S space M-A-R-A-I-S. And uh, through our website coming out in the future at businessgrowth.ca, we're going to have some connections with different people that develop apps and help small businesses with marketing and connecting and networking and really growing their business. Daryl's your man. I'll include those links down there below. Make sure you hop on at halfold.com slash author slash Daryl to get one of the first copies of finding your path, really that entrepreneurial roadmap when it comes out. It's been a pleasure having you on the show today, Daryl. Thank you, Calvin. Thanks for your time and have a great day, everybody. Let me know what you thought of the episode at calvin at hatpool.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.